You are listening to The Riding, NFL DFS podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to The Ride In, NFL DFS podcast week 15 cash game lineup review. And I will also talk the two-game Monday night slate Tonight, uh, we have the Browns Raiders and the Bears Vikings. Talk a little bit, two-game slate, talk a little bit, showdown for the Browns Vikings, because those are the featured slates. I do want to say that I appreciate the well wishes. I know on the podcast last week, uh, or at least on the week 15 review, mentioned that I did test positive for COVID. Literally, the sickness feeling, the feeling of being sick lasted not much longer than one day. Um, I'm pretty much symptom-free since Friday. So, all's well. Um, I mean, I don't even know if I had COVID, to be honest. may have been a false positive because I was expecting to be just absolutely laid out. Uh, Neither here nor there. I am still, you know, sloth from the Goonies in the basement for a few more days because could still transmit it to the kids. Don't don't want that. So don't worry. Still in the basement. Um, I feel like I do still sound a little nasally, uh, but I I feel 100%. To be honest, like if it was 2019, I wouldn't have missed a beat. Wouldn't have missed a day of work. Wouldn't have missed, uh, wouldn't have missed anything um, because it was basically, you know, just a headache and a little bit of sinus pressure for a day. So... Who knows? Maybe I'm just an absolute immuno-boosted freak that can ward off any virus. Um, so I had a really good week. Won 82% of head-to-heads. Thanks in large part to my receiving core, which was Brandon Cooks, Gabe Davis, and Devontae Parker. Also had Deontay Johnson in there. Thanks for nothing. Um, so Kyler Murray was my quarterback. I had only played two running backs, James Robinson and Michael Carter. George Kittle at tight end, something I very, very rarely do. And the Bills defense. Ended up scoring 141. Um, you know, just the easiest double up sweat of my life. Since I had everybody going for the most part, except for Kittle at one. The, you know, the white circle was literally all the way to the right to start the four o'clock games. Uh, and then usually if you only have one player left, you know, you, you slide back, but barely slid back any, probably because Devante didn't have a great game. Um, you know, some of the more chalky players in the four o'clock window didn't explode or anything like that. So, you know, fell back a little bit, like a tad bit, but there was literally no sweat and double ups, 82% of head to heads. Um, so here was my thinking. Some of the players that were chalk, uh, you know, like James Robinson, I thought he was obvious, especially on this slate. Maybe on a slate where, like, you know, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara and Leonard Fournette, those type of guys, you know, Christian McCaffrey, if he wasn't hurt, that type of thing. Those guys, Jonathan Taylor, were on this slate. It would not have been a no-brainer. However... He was 5,400. All the talk of the week was that he was the back. You know, they were going to get back to having James Robinson as the RB1. No brainer. Michael Carter, I was not as high as everybody else on. I knew he was cheap, knew he could have a role. 
He ended up only scoring three points, pretty much a flop. But once Ty Johnson and LaMichael Pirine were active, and basically it was just going to be him and Tevin Coleman um, with a little bit of Austin Walter mixed in, I felt like he at least had a path to 10 or 12 points, which uh, at 4,700, you know, thinking about it again, I probably should have just played Jeff Wilson in that role, even though, you know, he's in the same predicament. Um, Debo Samuel runs in touchdowns. Kyle Juszczyk runs in touchdowns. You know, Jeff Wilson was actually somewhat lucky that they gave him the ball on the goal line for him to salvage his day. Um, But again, maybe he was unlucky that he didn't get all three carries near the goal line and have three touchdowns. Uh, I guess you could look at it both ways, but I did not play Jeff Wilson. I am a proud fader of Jeff Wilson, especially in that San Francisco backfield. You know, you never know who's going to get the ball. Debo, Michael Hasty, Kyle Juszczyk. I just don't like to roster guys like that. I like to roster guys like James Robinson, who I know is going to get every touch. Um, some of the guys that were played at running back, uh, I guess we'll just talk about Miles Gaskin. I was never on Miles Gaskin. Um, I thought he was a good tournament play because he definitely had a good, and I mentioned this on the podcast, really good tournament play. But throughout the week, it was very weird to see how Brian Flores was noncommittal about his role, right? The reporters were asking him, like, is Gaskin the starter? How much is Miles going to play? Is Miles healthy? Does it matter that he didn't practice? And he would not give a straight answer. In fact, he would be, the answers that he was giving basically, you know, led me to believe that he wasn't going to play a full complement of snaps. Um, I actually picked up Duke Johnson for my season-long leagues, never ended up playing him because, you know, he and Gaskin and Ahmed were active, so I thought it, that was going to be like a three-way split. Ended up being all Duke, um, Gaskin. If you played Gaskin, it's just, you know, it's tough. Uh, Based on the fact that Flores wouldn't say he was going to even step foot on the field, I just couldn't pull the trigger on him. That said, you know, there was a chance that he did get on the field, play every snap, and go for 102, which is why I thought he was an okay tournament play. Kyler Murray probably put together the most frustrating day of any quarterback that I've ever rostered. Um, He went for 13 and a half. DraftKings points against the Detroit Lions. Um, just a ton of three and outs. They couldn't they couldn't convert a first down at, for much of the game. And the Lions were sustaining drives on them. So he basically had, I didn't see the stats, but I'm guessing he had so many fewer plays and possessions than he normally does. And, you know, it just didn't work out. He did get the one touchdown to kind of salvage his day. And then he gets, I mean, come on, Cliff. They're down... 18 with like three minutes left and he sits the first string offense I mean yeah that's the correct decision but we rarely see NFL coaches make that decision especially 18 points 18 points is nothing like sure if it's like one of those like twice a year 40 nothing blowouts you'll see the second string come in for the last couple minutes but rarely do we see like the unit just not come out uh There's always garbage time points to be had. In fact, I know I referenced this a lot, but, you know, I lost, um, when I qualified for the King of the Beach, I lost a ton of ground in the King of the Beach tournament because 
Ron Rivera decided to trot Christian McCaffrey out down 30 points with two minutes left, and he caught like five balls on the last drive. Just complete garbage time. So nonetheless, I was surprised to see that Murray didn't come out and just sling the ball for one more possession. But uh, the wide receivers are what got us there. Brandon Cooks, um, I'll be honest, I was not 100% sold on Brandon Cooks. I landed on him because Davis Mills was the quarterback and because I thought that, you know, I mean, if you look at the splits with Davis Mills and Brandon Cooks, it's just, it's pretty eye-opening. You know, when Davis Mills is in the game, Cooks gets the ball a lot. So that is why I slotted in. Brandon Cooks, I had a decision. My decision was to play a third running back there, and it would, it would have been uh, Miles Gaskin in place of Brandon Cooks, but I went against my own soul's warning. That's a killer's reference for you guys that like Brandon Flowers. And, you know, because normally it's always three running backs, and I had enough, I had the money for, for Miles Gaskin, and I said, no, you know what? I'm not going to play Miles Gaskin because... I really think that there's a chance that he sees like only 33% of the snaps and gets like eight carries. Whereas Cooks, I know he's going to be on the field the whole time and I know Davis Mills loves him. And in a PPR format, I just think he has a higher floor and and actually a higher ceiling than Gaskin in this game against Jaguars. Defense, pulled the trigger, four wide receivers. It worked out. Obviously, Gabe Davis scores two touchdowns. Awesome. Parker scores 17 crushes. Deontay Johnson caught like four balls on the first drive and then disappeared for the rest of the game. So that was a little bit tilting, but nonetheless, you know, even despite the fact that Kyler and Deontay and even George Kittle to an extent were somewhat flops. Oh, and definitely Michael Carter. There was just so much bad chalk on this slate and just so many cash plays that didn't work out that I think like Cooks, David, Cooks and Davis and Devontae Parker were, you know, if you had those guys, it was hard not to cash. Um, despite the fact, I mean, they together, they went for like 80 points. The cash line was like 120 or something like that. So basically you needed like 40 points out of your other six slots. If those were your wide receivers, talk about this all the time. One button click can save or ruin a week. Obviously, if I went Gaskin instead of Cooks, it would have been like 25. Fewer DK points would not have cashed. Um, So Cooks wins me week 15. I will be forever indebted to him. Um, Funny story about Brandon Cooks while we're telling stories that are kind of off topic. Back in 2013 or 14 uh, was one of my bigger college football GPP hits. Brandon Cooks had a massive night at like, you know, it was the Oregon State, um, God, who knows, Pac-10 after dark type thing going on like 10 o'clock at night. I I went to bed and woke up to a big hit because he had a big game on the West Coast. So Brandon Cooks always has my back and I appreciate that. Uh, One thing that I do want to mention that I saw a lot of cash teams do this week was play three Miami Dolphins. And I just can't get behind that. I don't know if like people were running optimals and they were just populating the optimals. The Dolphins were populating the optimals because Jalen Waddle's usage was out of the picture, which is very well what should have happened or what could have happened. 
But I just think it's really short-sighted to think Gaskin, Parker, and Gesicki were all going to uh, to get there. And, you know, maybe the thought process is the Dolphins are going to probably score four touchdowns, or your hope is that the Dolphins score four touchdowns on the lowly Jets. You don't want to pick the wrong Dolphin. You kind of, you know, get a floor of points from three Dolphins if one of them go off, or if two of them have a decent game. But two would have been the max for me. You're just limiting your upside. And if you feel that strongly about them, add to it and put it into a tournament. Um, but, you know, that's just a lot of downside for a cash team. Okay, let's take a look at this Monday slate. We have, an, we have a cool two-gamer. Um, I actually like playing these two-gamers like the Sunday night, Monday night. Two gamers, they're pretty cool. Um, you know, it's like a kind of like a Thanksgiving slate, kind of like a Saturday slate. Last few weeks of the year, they always have two games on Saturday. I like these slates. Um, you definitely have to get a, a, a bit weird in one spot or two, or you know, fade the one of the most highly owned plays, something like that. If you're in a big tournament, you can't just play all the chalk. Usually, the, the a lot of times all the chalk does fit, so. You do have to get a little bit different. So on this slate, uh, Baker Mayfield has not cleared the COVID protocols. So neither has Case Keenum. So it will be Nick Mullins at forty nine hundred dollars. Justin Fields at fifty three hundred. Derek Carr at sixty two hundred, and Kirk Cousins at sixty eight hundred dollars. So I think all four quarterbacks are in play here. I'm not going to write off any of these guys. I think probably Kirk Cousins will be pretty popular along with Justin Fields. Like I think people will shy away from Nick Mullins given the fact that he hasn't really ever been good, um, hasn't really ever been a starter for much outside of a little bit in San Francisco. And then there's Derek Carr who really just doesn't get anyone excited to play him. He throws, He sometimes like he just like rips off a ton of yards like he has a bunch of 300 plus yard games this year that has resulted in decent fantasy outings but I mean since the Raiders buy Derek Carr has 12 or less fantasy points in four of six games just isn't getting it done going to Cleveland against that pressure I think that he could definitely struggle. That said, if he's going to be low-owned on this four-game slate, I mean, he has just as good a chance at 20-plus points as pretty much anybody else uh, in this two-gamer, right? There isn't, like, anybody that I don't think is going to break the slate, like a must-play or anything like that. Like, obviously, Fields has running ability. Um, Cousins has Jamar Jefferson, who can, you know, smash for 200 yards and two touchdowns. And Nick Mullins is just super cheap, so you could fit in a bunch of other studs. But there is no Patrick Mahomes. There is no Josh Allen on this slate where, you know, you'd you'd feel comfortable, like, saying he should be 70 or 80% of your quarterback exposure. You could, you know, you could even these guys out if you're playing multiple lineups because I do think that, you know, the chances of each player hitting the optimal lineup is fairly even based on uh, points per dollar. 
My favorite would probably be Justin Fields, but I think he's going to be the most popular. Um, So you'll have to be a little bit overweight on him. And then obviously Kirk Cousins. The the Minnesota offense is just so concentrated. I mean, if, if Adam Thielen doesn't play, it's literally going to be Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne, Dalvin Cook. They're going to be like the only three guys that touch the ball. Maybe a little bit of Tyler Conklin. Maybe a pass for C.J. Ham out of the backfield. And that's just going to be it. So it's really easy to stack those guys. If the Vikings score, we know who is scoring. So obviously Dalvin Cook is the best play on the slate. There is no Alexander Madison. He should handle pretty much every running back touch, probably every running back snap he is a no-brainer Nick Chubb is only a little bit uh less than Cook he does have a bit of a better matchup the Raiders just absolutely get gashed by the run I don't think the Browns are going to you know lean on Nick Mullins so you're probably going to see a ton of rushes for Chubb and then man David Montgomery too he is uh, he's been like seeing a ton of targets out of the backfield um, Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams are barely even playing. So it's a really strong running back slate. Uh, and then you have Josh Jacobs. And then you have guys like Jalen Richard who can catch a couple passes. De'Aaron Johnson, who, you know, if the Browns go super run heavy, he could see a, a pretty good number of, of carries as well. Um, so I think my strategy in this game is going to be pretty heavy on running backs and you know, that even means playing probably more three running back teams than I would normal, normally play. Uh, usually in tournaments, I, I lean towards wide receiver because they have the upside. But man, there there's some really strong running back plays on this slate. At wide receiver, I think KJ Osborne is probably my favorite wide receiver play from a just a points per dollar perspective. He's only 45 100 on DraftKings, and if Adam Thielen is out, man, he just gets a ton of work. He he actually slots in and basically is, you know, on the field the whole time. And like, like we mentioned, Vikings, very, very concentrated. So I like K.J. Osborne. Rashard Higgins will probably, probably be popular um, for the Browns. Donovan Peoples-Jones as well. I mean, I don't think the Browns are going to throw a ton, but you have some pretty cheap guys out there because of their lack of of bodies right now. Um, obviously, Hunter Renfro, 6,500. He's gotten 20 DK points or more in the last three games, I believe. It's just seeing a massive target share. He just gets the ball thrown to him at all times. Uh, he's basically like Wes Welker. Um, just a shifty guy in the slot, makes really good cuts, is always open. Derek Carr does not want to get hit in this relentless Browns pass rush. So I see Hunter Henry approaching, excuse me, Hunter Renfro approaching double-digit targets pretty easily. Um, Darnell Mooney without Allen Robinson. I think most of the value is going to come from the Bears secondary options, right? Jakeem Grant, Demir Bird, uh, not that Darnell Mooney is a secondary option, but Darnell Mooney as well. Those guys are probably going to be my my main 
you know, wide receiver threes on teams because I think they have a really good opportunity to to have big games and Deshaun Jackson because, you know, Deshaun Jackson always is, you know, one play away from hitting the optimal lineup. Let me just take a look here at, at Zay Jones and his, all right. Uh, yeah, Zay Jones as well, 3700 He's only a few hundred dollars less than K.J. Osborne. That could be a pretty good pivot because I think a lot of people will play K.J. Osborne. Going down to a Zay Jones, who actually is $1,000 less, excuse me, than K.J. Osborne, but that is still a good pivot. I like Zay Jones there in the fact that you know, he's played 84% of snaps and saw seven targets uh, in the in the Raiders' last game. So makes a lot of sense to play Zay Jones there. I think he or Jackson you can, you know, dabble a little bit with and hope for some touchdown variance. Let's move on to tight end. Just, I mean, an absolute wasteland. When Cole Komet is the best tight end on the slate, things have gone awry. Uh, there's Tyler Conklin as well. Foster Moreau. I mean, basically what I would do is I would just pair up my tight end with my quarterback um, in most lineups. Because if, if they get there, it means they're scoring a touchdown. And if your quarterback's throwing touchdowns to their tight ends, probably need to pair them up. So that's what I would most likely do um, since touchdowns are a big part of quarterback and tight end scoring. Just make sure that most of your lineups are correlated in that way. And then defense. I think the Raiders defense is probably going to be very popular with Nick Mullins under center, but I kind of like shying away from the Raiders defense. Number one, because they haven't been great. And number two, because I think the Browns are just going to run the ball. So you want... You want to see, you basically want to play, you know, the team that's going to see a lot of pass attempts. That would probably be the Bears. Kirk Cousins can always make mistakes. And also the Browns, because I think Derek Carr can make some mistakes. So they would probably be my favorite. Also, of course, on a two-game slate, let's go over how you can create a unique lineup. First thing is to leave some salary on the table, obviously. You know, you don't realize how easy it is to get duped on these slates because when you're creating a lineup on a main slate, there's like 20 guys at a price range, right? There's there's 20 guys in the 5Ks, so you're creating a lineup and there's just a bunch of different options for people to choose from. But when people are hand-building, you know, like clicking on their phone, a lot of times they, there's such a gap in pricing that whether you end up with $43,000 left or $48,000 left. There's only one player to pick in that range. So everybody picks them. It makes the lineup very duped. It makes that player very highly owned. So, you know, when there isn't a ton to choose from, lineups just get duped. Uh, so leave some money on the table. Don't be afraid to hammer one game, like super stack one game. Like I mean, like Cousins, Cook, Jefferson, Conklin, Darnell Mooney, David Montgomery, Jakeem Grant, and then literally just play like Nick Chubb and the Browns defense on the other side. I don't know if that works salary-wise, but you get the you get the gist. A lot of times I see lineups just try to, you know, 
pick two or three players from every team, get nice and copacetic, nice and balanced. You know, and if one game is a 13-10 stinker and the other one's a 40-37 to barn burner, you're going to need a massive uh, stack on one side of the of the slate. That's just how it goes. So that's one. That's another way to get contrarian. Another way to get contrarian is to you know play a little bit of negative correlation, right? Don't be afraid to throw the Bears defense in, even if you have a Viking stack. Maybe the Vikings got there because Kirk Cousins threw a pick six and they got down two touchdowns early. So they so Cousins had to sling it. So don't be afraid with a little bit of, of negative correlation. And the other thing is, I don't really see it much on this slate uh, being something that we can do maybe with Chubb and Dearance Johnson, but oftentimes, you know, people just rule out playing two running backs from the same team. And it's definitely possible uh, that two running backs on a short slate, two-game slate like this, two running backs from the same team, can sneak into... Uh, an optimal lineup, right? Jacobs runs for 100 and a touchdown, and Derek Carr's only passing touchdown goes on a third down swing pass to Jalen Richard or something like that. Slim, thin for sure, but could definitely happen. Good way to get unique in a lineup if you're creating a lot of them. All right, guys, that'll do it for the ride in for week 15. The holidays are right around the corner. I hope everybody's staying safe and healthy and gets to enjoy this holiday season. I will be back on Thursday or Friday, whichever day I want really, because I'm in quarantine with the week 16 breakdown. See ya.